open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 36 of Retro Hangover. Sweet, miserable children, you are listening to your favorite podcast of choice, which, of course, is Retro Hangover, where we are zealously zinging the xenomorph zeitgeist, zapping zany zirconiums at the zoo. This is episode 36 of the Retro Hangover podcast, and I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, with your host, Shane, Dick Dragon God Koski. Yeah! Uh, did we just turn into a soccer, or I'm sorry, a football podcast? Also, no. football slash Metallica. Go, 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 go. It's a goal. Yeah, I, I, well, it, you put that on the end of your first goal. You were like, goal. And I was like, that sounds like James Hetfield right there. That's some no. classic Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that that is an intro. I hope everybody's speakers are, uh, you know, blown just right to the fuck out now. <laughs> if your ears are bleeding, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, I just imagine people on their morning commute listening to this and they're just like, well, I don't need coffee now. So great. So you're welcome is what I'm saying. Better with coffee. Everything. Well, everything else is better with coffee. Extreme nitro <laughs> coffee. Uh, so, uh, so Chris, what, what have you been up to since our, since our last episode? Yeah, pretty much the same fucking thing, man. <laughs> cool. Good talk. Yeah. Playing, playing Wild Arms too. And, the wildest uh, of arms. I, God, I hope not. Um, it's, it's good. I know I, I said a lot of good things about it last week and I partially stand by them, but there, I don't know. It's, it's a good game. It's a good game. Uh, I played something else. I can't remember what it was, but I had a good time with it. I, yeah, that that's a terrible Great. story. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. happy for you. And then you found yeah. $20. That's how, that's how you need to end all, any of those stories. It just makes it sound better that way. Then you found money. Then everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, okay. It's a cool story. Yeah. 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 It's just been pretty much Wild Arms. Wild Arms too. So there's that. All so right. So that's video gaming wise. And then uh, life wise. Uh, I'm going to Miami here this week, so that should be fun. Uh, I've been told that it's a lot of fun down there. Yes, I've I've heard that from Will Smith, I believe. Uh, maybe I can find some Brazilian uh, Master System games down there. Do you think they have them there? Or is that that's the same thing, right? Like in Cuba, they play Master System games still because they're oppressed? I'm not sure what the exact correlation between... Um, political oppression and usage of the master system is but i'm gonna need you to report back on that for me i'll let you know i'll let i'll let you know if that's the official video game system of cuba i might be wrong on this video game system i just know if you want to impress your people you just keep on having them play master system games <laughs> you guys will play nothing but a shitty afterburner port and some actually decent light gun games forever Yes. And if you're Brazilian, we love you, by the way. Anyway, Shane, so how have you been doing? Uh, well, there weren't any um, crazy appendages uh, in in my last week or two, so you've got that one on me. Um, I'm also uh, not traveling to, to any 
tropical locales, or at least any more tropical than, I guess, where we friggin' already are right now. Which, by the way, uh, if you don't live in Florida, it's basically already summer here. It's kind of has been for like weeks, which is just the worst. Um, I don't think I'm ever actually going to get used to that. But it's that's why I stay inside. January. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Don't remind me. I miss my winter. <sighs> so so do I. So do I. But since I am staying inside, um, be, because that's the smart thing to do. Uh, course been playing some 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 of the video games uh let's see what did i do uh, i've been trying to go back through my steam backlog which is always a task in and of itself and um i uh i installed firewatch finally got around to playing that um enjoyed that one i really appreciate it because it's one of those games you can finish in like six hours um which if you had asked me that like, you know, years ago when I was younger, I would have said that that sucks and it's not a good value proposition for my money. But um, that was also at a time when like I could, you know, sink like 80 hours into a game and not care. Um, I have this like new appreciation for games that I can see through from beginning to conclusion in like a short period of time. So um, so Firewatch is good. If you haven't actually played that, it's kind of like one of those walking simulator type of games like um, Edith Finch or, you know, some of those. Um, but I think what makes this one really stand out is that just the narrative is really good. Um, so I, I was actually pretty impressed by it. Uh, it came out like several years ago now, so I'm kind of behind on that. But um, so that was good. And, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm taking a second crack at, um, at Reketeer, an item shop tale, uh, because I had put a couple hours into it like a few years ago and then just kind of dropped it for some reason. Um, but I fired that back up, started a whole new game, uh, save file, and I've been enjoying that. Uh, if you're not familiar with that one, it's kind of like a light sort of RPG style game where you are running an item shop and you hire uh, adventurers to like go out and um, collect loot for you in dungeons, and then you come back and you haggle with the townsfolk and sell it to them f- and all that stuff. And so it's um, it's actually pretty enjoyable. So I mean, kind of sounds very inspired by Lufia. Lufia? Oh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one actually. But I mean, I'll I take, play I'll a lot of it. On it. I played it very briefly. Essentially, like you go out, and you hunt monsters, and you take their skins back and you sell them. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game, but yeah. Yeah, it's like a reverse. It's like a, you're, I don't know. It's it's like Dragon Quest, like a Dragon Quest spinoff where you have the guy who's the item merchant, and no, yeah. that's a mystery dungeon game. <clears throat> sounds interesting. <laughs> sounds, it is. Uh, it is. Yeah. It's like it's a you know you're kind of playing from the the other side of things where I mean you're you're still controlling the adventurer when you go through and you know f- go through the dungeons and to collect items and stuff, but um the the main like gist of the plot is that you are the item shop owner so so it's kind of a cool take on things anyway um and then outside of that uh of course i've i fired up um my my og super nintendo which if you follow us on instagram you probably saw me post my my drawer of uh of retro game goodies there all my all my carts mm-hmm. so um very impressive it's it's all right. I think I'm I, if if for nothing else, I'm actually just kind of impressed that I managed to hang on to all those cartridges from 
from when I got them originally when I was a kid. Um, they've Keep survived several moves. <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm not trying to rub it in, Chris. I know you. You lost all yours, and that that actually is really unfortunate. I mean, if it helps you feel any better, I feel that same way about my uh, original nin- uh, Ninja Turtles action figures. I had quite a collection of those, and then at some point when I went off to college, they got given away to a neighborhood child without my knowledge or consent. Which neighborhood is- children suck. They really do. They really do. And I don't know what he did with them. Presumably they're probably they probably ended up at a Goodwill or something somewhere at some point, which they, I'm they, really bummed about. They belong in a museum. Well, they do. They do, actually. Well, no, they they belong here with me is really where they belong. Uh, so but, they can go on your 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 ninja turtle tower. Uh yeah. Yeah, yes. actually. <laughs> I wasn't being I wasn't being sarcastic. Well, just in case you were. I wanted to be clear on that. You wanted to be sarcastic. I'm very serious. Yes. I just, you just gave me a great idea for a game, by the way. And if anyone's listening and you have the method to do it, maybe Shane, you can do it. Because I What's think that? this could work. We, you need to make an RPG, uh-huh. reverse RPG, like an item shop, but make okay. a morgue for adventurers. And you run that morgue. Like every would-be adventurer. <laughs> like what would, what would you do, though, as the, as the mortician? Like just. So you know those like surgeon games where you have to like stitch people back together with motion controls or stuff? So it'd be yeah. like that with a mouse, and you'd have to make them look appropriate depending on the injuries they suffered by the bad guys. So if they got burned by a Drakey in Dragon Quest, like you would have to like cure their burn wounds and make them look nice. <laughs> this, or if they got decapitated, you have to find a way to put their head back on. You know, it could be like you make it anime style, just well, so it's cute, and, and yeah. people like if you make it realistic, no one's going to have fun with it. So it has to be anime. Uh, over the top it has to be cute. While you're, so, you know, so just a bunch of like chibi corpses. Not, not, not chibi. Well, you can't have chibi. You can have all sorts of shapes and styles. We are equal opportunity here, so we can <laughs> make sure that you can put back together all sorts of bodies and corpses. And it'll just be would-be adventurers who think they can go and defeat the dragon lord, and you just put them back together when they die, and then you have a nice funeral for. Them. Is that too dark? Uh, I don't. I, I listen, I don't think there's anything that's too dark at this point. Plus, you know, if like you said, if you have the right art style and the right sort of like tone for the game, then you could you could totally get away with that. I just don't want any mods on Steam that make it to one of those dating sims because that'd be very disturbing. Oh, you you know, that'll happen. We'll just include it as DLC. <laughs> <laughs> and this has gone way off track. In any case. Yeah, um, we have a fantastic episode for you today. Like we, we do every do. week. Um, this one is near and dear to Shane's heart. In fact, it's near and dear to my heart. This is a fantastic game. But um, this week is going to be uh, Contra 3, right? That's right. The Alien Wars. The Alien Wars. And for this week, we're going to have our brief history of Contra 3 brought to you by the Dick Dragon God Emperor himself, Shane Kosky. The Year. 2633. A meteorite plummets to Earth, crashing into the Galuga Archipelago near the coast of New Zealand, carrying within it harbingers of the apocalypse. Emerging from the space debris like aberrant demon spawn, an army of alien abominations led by an entity known as Emperor Demon Dragon God Java would begin their bid for worldwide domination. 
Brainwashing the local human populace and assimilating them into their forces, this fighting force would come to be known as Red Falcon. Fast forward three years. Red Falcon's attempts have been thwarted on two separate occasions by the heroic efforts of Contra soldiers Bill Reiser and Lance Bean. Becoming frustrated with their losses at the hands of humans, Red Falcon eschews all notions of stealth and manipulation, instead launching an all-out assault on planet Earth, leveling entire cities in the process, kickstarting what would be known as the Alien Wars. This is where the story of Contra 3 begins. Released in North America on April 6, 1992 for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Contra 3 The Alien Wars sees players once again taking control of Contra veterans to combat the Red Falcon menace. Though canonically these soldiers are known as Bill and Lance, they were changed to their descendants Jimbo and Sully in the North American localization, in order to maintain continuity with the localizations of previous series installments. Taking advantage of the Super Nintendo's technological improvements, Contra 3's graphics were vastly superior to the previous NES titles, bringing it much closer to parity with its arcade counterpart. Level designs were also more complex and varied, allowing for greater player interaction with the environment, including latching onto poles, walls, or ceilings to navigate areas, destruction of buildings and scenery, and commandeering vehicles. In addition to the more traditional side-scrolling, platform-based levels, Contra 3 would also introduce motorcycle chases, hanging from and leaping to flying missiles, and two Mode 7 top-view sections. During gameplay, players can hot-swap between two carried weapons, losing only the currently equipped weapon upon death. They may also fire both carried weapons simultaneously in a flashy circular spin jump, but at the risk of losing both weapons if they're hit during the maneuver. Players are also able to lock their characters in place, allowing for gunfire in all eight possible directions. A selection of the Contra franchise's earlier weaponry makes a return, namely the rifle, spread gun, and laser gun, complemented by several brand new implements of destruction, including the homing gun, crush gun, the fire gun, and the heliobomb, which is carried in addition to the two weapons each character can hold. Contra 3 offers three distinct difficulty levels, easy, normal, and hard, with each altering several key aspects of the game. On harder difficulties, bosses will gain new attacks or enhancements to existing ones, some destructible objects and enemy weak points will become invulnerable, and certain sections of the game, like the flying missile portion of Stage 4, speed up, requiring quicker player reflexes to succeed. Finally, players will only receive the true ending of the game if they conquer it on the hardest difficulty. Contra 3 was also released in Japan and European territories the same year as North America, though at different times and under different names. Japanese players know the game as Contra Spirits, while those in PAL regions recognize the game as Super Probotector Alien Rebels. The game would later be ported to the Game Boy in 1994 by development house Factor 5. This version altered the structure of several levels, removed many boss encounters, and completely omitted Stage 4. Players could no longer carry two weapons, and the laser gun was not included as an option. However, a strafing ability was added to compensate for the absence of rotation on the top-down levels, as well as a password save feature. This version also upped the number of difficulties to four, 
with the inclusion of Maniac difficulty. Easy Mode was also altered, cutting the game's length to only the first three stages. In 2002, a Game Boy Advance version of Contra 3 would also be released, known as Contra Advance The Alien Wars EX in North America, and Contra Hard Spirits in Japan. Notably, this would be the first game in the franchise that would be released under the proper Contra name in PAL regions, dropping the Probotector title and the robotic characters. Like the previous Game Boy port, players are unable to carry two weapons simultaneously. Additionally, the Heliobomb item was omitted completely. The two Mode 7 stages from the original SNES version were replaced with stages from Contra Hardcore. Finally, this version only has two difficulty levels, Novice and Normal, with Novice truncating the experience to only four stages. The original SNES version of Contra 3 would also see re-release on Nintendo's virtual console service for the Wii, Wii U, and 3DS, as well as inclusion into the miniaturized SNES Classic console released in 2017. And that is your brief history of Contra 3 The Alien. Thank you, Shane, for that really brief history. I think we can both agree that Contra 3 was a hell of a game. Uh, it was, and I think for a lot of people who hadn't played Contra before, it was very alien to people who hadn't ah. played it. <laughs> uh, the dad jokes. <laughs> I know, I'm so, I'm so funny. Any <laughs> case, um, so, uh, just, just so we're clear with, like, Contra, um, yeah. this is... This is one. This is probably the best game in the entire series. I would it's, say it is like I really don't think there's even a question that it is the best in the entire franchise. Yeah, I mean, Sega fanboy would have an issue with you right now, but I agree with you. Well, it's a good um, thing I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. You you came into this podcast giving uh you had four fucks before you talked to people who were Sega fanboys about Contra Hardcore. And then at the end of this podcast, you will still have four fucks. So how many fucks did you get? Uh, I'm going to go with zero, Alex. There we go. Zero fucks. So there <laughs> you go. Contra hardcore fans. Your game is way too hard. That doesn't make it better. Right? It, it doesn't have an easy mode like Sekiro. And everyone bitches about that, too. So there you go. <laughs> uh, there we go. See, we can make this topical, too. That's good. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no, I, I, there are several reasons of which we will get into shortly uh, of why I, I can, I can safely say, um, it's that it's not even a subjective opinion. I honestly think that this really is just the, it's the culmination of this sort of like run and gun formula that Contra is known for. Um, and I think it's the best implementation of it just across the board. Mm -hmm. I, I, the beautiful thing about Contra 3 is um, it's it's short. I think that's one of the things. You can complete this game in around 30 minutes once you get it down. Mm -hmm. But yeah. getting it down and learning the game and, and and getting to the point where you you master it is an accomplishment within itself. And it's not like it's as, it's not even as hard as the, the first Contra, I would say. I think it's an easier game than Contra for the NES. It's certainly easier than Super C or Contra Hardcore. Um, but it's, it, you don't notice it. It's a so much better put together game 
than anything that preceded it. Yeah, I think I think the balancing is I mean, obviously nothing is perfect, but I think the the difficulty balance in this game was done very well. Um, you know, as I said in in the history, you get three if if you're playing the original Super Nintendo version, you're getting three difficulty levels. Um, of course you don't really the only thing you're missing by not playing on hard is of course outside of the the increased challenge it is um a final form of the last boss that's really the only thing that's effectively different um or or is i guess omitted from the earlier difficulties um so it, it, and because of the length of the game because as you said you could knock this thing out in less than a half an hour um it it actually in a way kind of encourages you to play through multiple times in one sitting on increasingly difficult levels um because if you if you finish the game on an earlier difficulty whether that's easy or normal um it will immediately drop you back at the beginning of the game and start over on the next hardest difficulty um but you keep any of the current weapons that you have equipped and in the number of helio bombs you have on you and also the number of lives assuming that it's greater than the baseline um so it's like it's kind of like a new game plus implementation really i, I mean keeping your same weapons is kind of a fleeting thing in this game because of course when you do die your 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 the weapon you have equipped kind of just goes away it does. It does. Um, but I mean, it, it probably doesn't give you that much of a benefit uh, for very long. You're right. I mean, other than the fact that if you're starting just clean, you start with just your base rifle and you might have a little bit of an advantage if you are like rolling into the first level with like, you know, homing missiles or, or crush missiles like from the get go. But even then you you get those pretty soon in, in the first stage anyway. So, yeah, it's not a huge difference. Um but on that point about losing your weapons, that's actually one of the things um, that I think uh, is sort of a pro to this game that I, I actually really like as a mechanic uh, is the dual weapon system. And for a number of reasons, one being that, you know, obviously that allows you more flexibility uh, being able to swap between two. Like for me personally, and, and for the record, by the way, Chris kind of mentioned this at the beginning that this game is kind of dear to me and it is and it's one of the few um uh, retro games i suppose that i played enough in, in my in my youth that uh i basically have this thing memorized at this point like uh, when i posted i was doing some quote end quote research for this episode on our instagram um yesterday or the day before obviously i was playing contra on my super nintendo and it's like i I didn't forget anything. It's like, it's like riding a bike for me. Like I just blew through the whole thing in 20 something minutes. Um, so, so, so let's, let's briefly go after our history with the game. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you get the game closer to launch back in 92 or when did you, when did you first play Contra three? And, and you can talk about the previous Contras, of course. Yeah. So, well, so the previous Contras, I actually had, had and mostly still have little to no experience with i'll be honest um and for context when i got contra 3 um 
as a gift for a, probably Christmas or something, if I had to recall. It was either Christmas or a birthday, because I was at an age where I certainly wasn't buying my own video games at that point. Um, I don't know if it was right off the bat, like in 92. It might have been a little bit later. Like I might have come to it a, a year or two after that. Uh, but it was right around that time anyway. But when I got it, I had zero knowledge of the previous two games or that it was even part of a franchise, if not for the fact that it was called Contra three, that was, that was pretty much it. Um, but, uh, I think this one and probably turtles in time were the two super Nintendo Nintendo games that I definitely put the most time into, um, of which I'm I'm sure we're going to be talking about that other one at some point in the future. Turtles of Time. Oh God, I hope so. Oh yeah, definitely. Actually, it's funny because because you can get through this game so quickly. Um, I kind of blew through easy and then went through normal also. And after I finished that, I uh, decided to take a break from that and I threw in my Turtles in Time cart and then uh, went through that game start to finish in. I believe the end game timer said like 23 minutes and some change. I think it was. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that game another time because, oh, yeah. God, that's going to be a great, that's gonna be a great <laughs> one. But yeah, so that, that was kind of like my history with it. I got it somewhere around the time that it was still kind of fresh. Um, and, you know, of course, at this point in my life, my, my actual memories of some of that are a little hazy. But um, I can definitely tell you that I... I put in a lot of time practicing these levels because that was at a time when, you know, I couldn't just look up a walkthrough or, you know, I wasn't searching game facts for, you know, tips on how to beat certain stages. That was literally just me sitting there grinding through these levels over and over again until I got so good that I basically can do it all from memory. Mm -hmm. There's also no way in hell that I would do that today. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as adults, we, at least for myself, I don't speak for everybody. It sounds like the same for you. As adults, we just don't have the patience. We either get it or we don't. Which... Well, it's a matter of patience and just also a matter of like a value proposition with your time. Like, do I do I sit here and try to bang my head against this level for 10 hours to really get it down? Or do I go and do something else that's arguably more productive with my time, you know? Well, no one likes to lose. That's why games are easier now. You can make that argument. Well, I'm serious. Like, if, you know, like, I just went back and I played it. I've never been the best at this game, right? I went through on normal. Mm. And I I suffer the same thing I normally do. I get to the age of stage three where I fight the Terminator bots. And I get my ass kicked and I'm just like, okay, fuck it, I'm done. Um, And I just kind of go on from there. So I think the furthest I've really made this game in normal is the end of stage four. And that's about it. I've never beaten the game uh properly on anything uh more than normal and it's just i just haven't been very good at it and i've never really focused on it um mm-hmm. but going to my history of it i don't know if i played this version or the game boy version first because ah, i remember yeah. my dad he he got the he had the game boy version and the game boy ver- uh when he got a game boy you know the portable gaming thing was was a big deal for you know just having something we went up to a cabin in the woods and uh, we got slaughtered and got reincarnated later. But we would bring up a Game Boy. And it was kind of a big deal because he got like this Game Boy. And um, it came with Mega Man. And, well, it didn't come with Mega Man. He obviously got it. Right. Uh, Ultra Golf and uh, Contra 3. I have no idea why he got Contra 3. 
you know, that it just was not the kind of game that would that matches his personality. Yeah. Um, but that's I think that's how I played it first, and then somehow I came to acquire Contra Three on the Super Nintendo, and I'm not sure. I know this guy's a listener, so because he alluded to it, but um, I, I, every year I go up to my friend uh, Luke's house uh, up in Wisconsin, and I think I may have borrowed it from him and kind of overkept it, which which is fine because I think he did the same with my Super Mario Kart. I think he ended up getting it back. I can't remember if that's the case or how I ended up getting into my collection or not. But I ended up playing a lot of it. Now, I can't remember if I got it myself or I bought it from him because I know he had it, but it doesn't matter. But that's how I ended up getting it for myself. And I would play it every once in a while, just kind of very casually because I'm a filthy, filthy casual. And I would enjoy the game that way. And I always had a blast every time I played it, even though I get my ass kicked. Um, I, I, I didn't memorize it to the extent you did. I, I And I didn't get to the point I got really, really good at it. I would just fire it up, get to the about the ed, end of stage three. Uh, fight the Terminator bot and be like, okay, I've had a good enough time. I'm on this motorcycle thing and uh, I'm now I'm getting absolutely pummeled. And um, yeah, this is, uh, I had a good time. You know, it, it's, it's fun. And I, I, I'm really trying to make this not sound like super douchey, but it's probably going to come across that way. But it's, it's, I guess it's interesting to me listening to someone else talk about Contra 3 and like how they're like struggling with the difficulty of it because it's just so ingrained in my head that I, I guess I assume that like anybody else that has played the game just kind of like knows the same things that I do. Uh I mean, and also because I, truth be told, it's not like uh, discussions of Contra three, just casually come up with people all that often, though they probably should. Um, so, so I guess there's that too, but it, it, it's just funny because I'm listening to you talk about that and it's just, it's like a totally foreign concept to me. Cause like you're talking about the end of stage three with the, the two like, uh, robo brothers, the red and the blue one. And then the, yeah, the terminators. Yeah. And then the, the giant guy who, by the way, his canonical name is big fuzz, which is a total like letdown. <laughs> He's warm and cuddly. Oh yeah. No, sure is. Um, but like, you're talking about how that fight is difficult for you. And immediately in my head, I'm just like, Oh dude, that's so easy. Like when they're, when you go in and they activate, just crawl up to like the corner and hang there and just hit him with like crush missiles. And then they're pretty much gone. And then when the big guy comes out, you just got to go in a circular pattern around the room to avoid his projectiles and you're good to go. It's super easy. But like, I I understand that. (laughs) I can't do it. No, that, that's fair. That's fair. And, and, and like I said, I don't I don't mean this as like condescending or anything. I just it's interesting hearing someone else's perspective because I don't hear it that often. So, mm-hmm. so well, that's, it's that's like cool. The same. It's the same way I feel about like Mega Man one and two. Yeah, because I, you, you, I keep on hearing all the time. Oh, Mega Man one so hard. I can't beat Mega Man. I'm like, really? <laughs> I I just don't find Mega Man hard. Um, or Mega Man 2 for that matter. Now everyone says Mega Man 2 is e- uh, the easiest one. It probably is. But I, I get that perspective because when people, like, if I'm talking about Contra and I say Contra hard, Contra 3 is hard, and you're like, well, no, I know exactly how to do here. And I say the same thing about Mega Man and everyone complains. They're like, no, Mega Man's like easy, easy peasy. Mm-hmm. I don't understand your perspective here. But it's kind of the same argument. Um, when we get really good at games, like, Turtles in Time, probably a really easy game for both of us. Yep. We could fly through it. Uh, Streets of Rage 2, I could fly through it almost blindfolded at any difficulty level. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, there's there's probably descent. You could go through descent and really not have too terrible issues or doom, right? I yeah. struggle through doom, and um, descent's still kind of a hard game for me, unless I'm using the uh, ultimate PlayStation Dual Analog controller. But <laughs> clearly, the, the only true way to play. <laughs> A sponsor, but please do Sony uh, if you're still selling those. But um, <laughs> but I think that attributes to the difficulty and just how much of a uh, an artifact of its time games like Contra were, where they weren't the arcade difficulty that you know, of course, was in the arcades. You know, mm-hmm. name name implied, but they were balanced to the point where if you got the game as a kid. You could spend an entire summer learning that game, and it was still good enough that you would go back to it later and want to play it again. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I'm looking back on it now. I'm impressed that like I even spent that much time with with what is arguably that small amount of content, but but I guess be, like you said, because of the way that it's balanced with the difficulty and and the fact that. It's well crafted enough that it makes you want to keep coming back. Um, I can see, I can see why I did that. But you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, looking at it now, I'm like, there's, there's no way that I would do that today. Like, if you gave me the, the only exception to that rule that has been in my recent memory has been like the Dark Souls series. Like, and, and that's even, and I'll, I will be straight up honest with everybody right now that. I have completed all three Dark Souls games, but that was also with the help of uh, doing a lot of internet research into the better ways to build my character to make it less of a shitty experience. So even that comes with some caveats, you know, but I think Dark Souls is probably the only exception to that in my life now to where like I will actually spend the time, uh, you know, getting good as it were uh, at at a game. Other than that, like, I'll I'll probably just move on to something else. So we've been we've been putting unheaping amounts of praise on this game. It can't be perfect. So it is not. Let's talk about let's talk about some things that kind of get in the way from this being a just um, the perfect creation of the God Emperor himself. <laughs> sure. Um, so there's I mean, honestly, I guess it's the it's indicative of a good game when you kind of have to struggle to find some things to talk about um, that it you know falls short in, uh, and I can only really come up with a handful, um, but but they are there. So one thing, and this is something that you just kind of glaze over as as a kid. You're just like, hey, it's whatever. It's I guess this is how games work. But looking at it now, um, there definitely are several points in the game where the frame rate just tanks completely mm-hmm. um and it, it, it let's see there's uh, the the plane bombing run section in stage one for instance that's really the first major point in the game where you see it um the wall climbing section in stage three uh where that's you're, terrible yeah the that, slowdown that on that is, is awful awful yeah and it's exacerbated by um your gunfire too if you if you ever get to stage three and you want to test this out Get to that point where you're climbing up that right-hand wall with the big um, tri-walker bot that's kind of following you up the wall. And um, just don't shoot at all and watch how fast it goes. Even on its own, when it fires its missile projectiles, things kind of slow down anyway. But if you start shooting, um, especially if you got like a spread cannon or some shit, all the projectiles, in addition to that guy and whatever else is going on in the background of the game, everything just crawls. 
Um, but so there's that. And, and honestly, the, the two mode seven levels, which I think we'll talk about here in a second on their own, because I don't think that they're great anyway, but, um, oh, they're awful. but both of those mode seven levels, uh, if you get more than maybe like two enemies on the screen at any given time, you start to see some noticeable slowdown. Uh, well, actually let's just talk about the mode seven levels right now because they're absolute shit. Yeah, sure. So, okay. So uh, I guess, so Chris, why don't you give a quick background on just what mode seven actually is in case people are not familiar? Oh God, thanks for shotgunning me with this without doing much research, Shane. I appreciate it. So just essentially off the cuff, Chris, you don't need <laughs> just, go, just do it. Just go for it. Fuck it. Do it live. Okay. I'm doing it live and we're going to talk about mode seven and I'm going to be completely wrong about this probably, but essentially it's like a super scaler where, um, the sprites are essentially, um, it's a, it's a method of the, the, the SNES had a way to scale sprites that essentially you take your sprite and your sprite isn't necessarily moving, but the background is moving and your sprite's moving against it to make, kind of make a pseudo 3D appearance while not using any 3D technology at all. So like a lot of mode seven uh, examples could be like Final Fantasy six with uh, the Chocobo or the or the airship. Mm-hmm. Or just any airship from any Final Fantasy game, for that matter. Squaresoft used a lot of it. Um, another example is F Zero. F Zero is pretty much old mode seven, so that that's yeah. the example of like I was going to mention that you had a sprite, that. which was uh, your 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 vehicle, and and the stage moved as opposed to your car moving around the stage. So it gave an impression that you're moving around 3D. Mario Kart's another one that was big on mode seven. So what you have with mode seven here is that you have your sprite, and then it, it, the screen's kind of moving around your dude and everything that he's on, it's top down is all mode seven beneath. And that's not the problem. Like graphically, it looks fine. I have no problem with the way it looks. That's, that's not really my issue. Yeah, no, the that, issue, that's not the problem. The issue is how it controls and how it plays. Cause it is, it's, it's garbage. Yeah. So for reference, when you're playing these, these top down view levels, um, you are, you know, you're, you're, you basically can't, uh, rotate your character unless you use the shoulder buttons on the Super Nintendo gamepad. So Mm -hmm. you are moving basically in just four directions, but your character is always facing the same way. Um, and then you have to use the shoulders to rotate. And so I, I will say that I actually don't mind stage two, which is the first mode seven level. Um, it's not the worst. Yeah. That one's the, the ruined bridge and that one's not too bad. Although this, this actually kind of dovetails into one of my other negative points that I have about the game. Um, so there are certain sections of this bridge area that, um, are kind of cracked. And if you don't know, if you're playing for the first time and you're not aware, um, you walk over it and the road just falls out from underneath you, but it only leaves this very, very thin piece of road for you to cross. And if you don't cross at that exact place, you just immediately die. And this is one of several instances in the game where it kind of feels like a cheap shot, because if you didn't know that that was there, um, you basically are just forfeiting a life, which in this game, with the difficulty as it is, can be a pretty big deal. Um, so there's that. And and yeah, I think Chris, you're probably going to talk a little bit more about this too. Um, but the controls I'm of course used to it now, so it doesn't really bother me necessarily, but they're not exactly intuitive. And, um, the second mode seven stage, which I believe is five. Yeah. The steep cliffs that's stage five. 
Um, that one is straight up the worst level in the game. And I will fight anybody who says otherwise, because not only are you looking from a top-down view and you have to rotate with shoulder buttons, but they then also throw in these patches of ground that are swirling like a vortex. And if you step on it, it spins your character in a 360 over and over and over again until you move off of it. So it's like they're asking you to just throw up all over your CRT <laughs> because that's kind of how it feels. And, and then they take that and whoever was in charge of designing that level should have been fired, by the way, because the boss fight, um, spoilers for like a several decade old game, but the boss fight for that game, uh, for that level rather, uh, is a stationary monster, circular sort of like shell looking thing with an eyeball in the middle and you have to shoot the eyeball, but guess what? He is surrounded by a giant pad of that circular swirling garbage. So if you get close to him, the entire stage just spins the whole time. It is a fucking nightmare. Great. So great. It's the worst. Um, yeah, so mode seven, great idea in 1991. Uh or 19, whenever they were designing it, 1990, whenever the Super Famicom came out in Japan, who cares? Um, it's it was a great idea then. Great idea then, not so much when you go back and you realize uh, vomiting is not a pleasant experience. Yeah, so, and I mean, um, it's, it's not even that Mode 7 itself is bad, it's just the implementation no. of it in this game is terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, it was it was the early, it, it was a new game for Konami coming on that system, and they used a lot of Mode 7 in Super Castlevania as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game had a lot of Mode 7, and this one they were just like, let's turn the Mode 7 up to 11! And... <laughs> Um, that was still a great game. Like all the, 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 the 2d portions, the, the, you know, the, the regular portions left to right, uh, run and gun sections are probably some of the finest in, in video game, uh, history, but then you get to the mode seven parts and it's just, now I will say this it's better than what super C did on their top down mm -hmm. levels. And they're better than the levels that Contra had in, you know, the, the ones where you're like running up the, that pseudo 3d thing you had in the uh, nes contra oh yeah it's better than that yeah, it's, that it's, it's better than that um it, it is but it's, I, it's still not it's still not great no it's not and, and honestly this wouldn't even be that big of a sticking point for me if it weren't for stage five that one is just so fucking bad like and it's really just because of those movement tiles like so not only do you have those spinny ones which will give somebody nausea anyway but you know they've also got like the sort of uh moving sidewalk-esque sort of spaces that are also in conjunction with very like narrow cliffs you have to walk across so it's uh -huh. this like weird clunky control scheme of like i have to move in one direction but then like turn myself with a shoulder button but i'm also navigating like a narrow catwalk basically and then i'm also hitting these spaces where my character is moved out from under me with without any of my control and then in addition to that like at least half of the enemies in that level can shoot fireballs at you because why not it's just it's well, a it's a poorly designed level in my opinion it's not only that like like let's go to the brilliance of the controls in the 2d like everything's pretty basic b jumps uh was it why why shoots and uh, like control is pretty tight it's, it's fluid uh very responsive gameplay yeah definitely. and you get there and you press b and what do you do uh you, you crouch i don't even 
Oh yeah, that's you right. Lay you lay down on the you ground. You lay down. You go prone, which is a thing, by the way, that you should almost never do in those levels. But yeah. well, you should if you're like r- walking right up to some of these terminals, and you you can get down. You can shoot at them, and they can't hit you with the, with regular bullets. True. Yeah. But which is which is fine. Which is great if you know how to do that. But if I'm Joe Schmo, first time playing the damn game, I'm going to go into these levels. I'm going to press B. And I'm going like, why am I not jumping? And then I'm going to see the guy lay down. I'm going to think, what am I doing? Like, what is <laughs> What what is the point of doing this? Like you just said, like it's not a very good idea, but it has its purpose. Yeah, it's just such a jarring transition because you know the the controls are so tight for the rest of the majority of the game, and then you hit these two levels, like you know, interposed between the rest of the game, and it's just like a complete one eighty where you go from you know pinpoint precision platforming and jumping and what have you to suddenly this really just muddy control scheme of like trying to rotate and walk it, it it's almost it's 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 actually almost like tank controls <laughs> to be honest tank controls which make, are still does bad. it make it scarier does it make it scarier uh no no it does not not even a little uh but so uh any else anything other bad uh the one thing that i would like to talk about that's kind of hit on this game but it's, it's not so much a hit it's just more of the times mm-hmm. which is um the kind of shmup way they they have a lot of their trajectories and projectiles mm-hmm. uh projectiles i should more accurately say which sometimes they're just so small and they blend into the background you don't see them so there are times that i found myself dying and i'm like what the what the fuck just hit me and it's a tiny little bullet that i you know with so many other things going on the screen because a lot of other projectiles are very obvious you know they're, they're rather large, they create large explosions, and you, you can have some time to get out of the way for them. And there's some like some little bullets that just kind of slowly just go down the screen that are hard to see. I don't know if you have the same issue there, but a lot of these a lot of those projectiles, it is part of the difficulty, I get it, and it's part of what the enemy's arsenal is, and I get it, and you have to keep on playing it to learn how to play it, and that's also part of it, and I get that too. <laughs> but it's a pain in the ass. Um. Yeah. I mean, again, like I, I don't necessarily struggle with that, but I can see where you're coming from on it. Um. So the the kind of basic enemy projectiles from some of the you know soldier guys that you're gonna see throughout, mm, I guess, the majority of the game. Um. Yeah. They do. Their bullets are basically just these very small, uh, flashing white circles. And well, for them, it's for them, it's fine. Right? Because they have guns. Sure. Yeah. So naturally, I'm going to look at these enemies. I'm going to look at their guns and I'm going to see what's firing out of their guns. Yeah. But I'm so what, fi- are you, what, I'm so fighting, what are you talking about then? When I'm fighting giant turtle monster, where are these stupid bullets coming from? Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The, so the boss at the end of the first level. Um, yeah. That one is actually kind of random because you're not only are you dealing with like the the wasps or whatever coming out of the top of him, but the maggots he's thrown up everywhere and the laser beams that he shoots out. But then in addition, there's like a random tiny little white bullet that just kind of emits from the middle of his body and tracks you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, but that's the only thing I have problems avoiding is that stupid tiny bullet. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's it's with the rest of the chaos that's going on in that fight, it's it is it can be hard to see. It it tends to blend into the background. I mean, yeah, also to be fair, that fight kind of suffers from some slowdown too. But a lot of slowdown. Yeah. 
Um, but the soundtrack, by the way, is amazing. Oh God, it's so good. Like every level, the the music is just so on point. Um, there's really, again, and this <laughs> this might actually just be colored by my perception of the level itself. But the only one I actually kind of don't really care for is stage five. It's comparatively to the rest of the tracks. It's I don't think it's that good. It's not that it's a bad one, but when you're standing up against like all of the other um, stage stage tracks. That one kind of stands out, I think, is the weakest one, in my opinion. And like I said, that might also just be because I hate that level. But yeah, man, soundtrack is amazing. Um, the sound effects themselves are very well done. They've got some some real punch to them. Because um, you have some games, you know, sometimes where um, you'll fire a gun or something and it just doesn't feel like it's got any weight behind it. Uh, but I think the the sound design of this game was done very well. Like all the impacts, you can you hear them. Um, the weapons have appropriate sound effects, uh, so that's all done very well. I think the biggest thing that was done right in terms of design for this game was the environments and the sprite work. Um, they're incredibly detailed and, and also incredibly colorful, which is something that you might not necessarily expect. Uh, and actually in further entries into the, the Contra series, they kind of fall into that like call of duty slash battlefield trap of like everything needs to be like gray and Brown because gritty realism. Uh, and that's boring. That's also like gears of war had that same problem too. Well, just getting back into the whole entire Super Nintendo, you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation, you know, when you have the Super Nintendo versus the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. and and even the uh, uh, PC Engine slash Turbo Graphics sixteen, the Super Nintendo was so much more capable of putting out uh, the amount of colors on screen than its competitors. It was a, a tour de force in terms of what he could put out in terms of its color palette. It was bigger than the Mega Drive uh, Genesis. It was bigger than the PC Engine. Uh, tr- uh, TurboGrafx-16, I think that's what Konami was going for, especially Konami. This is, you know, we've had this conversation about Konami. This is back when Konami was was very aware of what it was capable of and the products it was putting out. You even kind of look at when, when Konami was not the worst. Yeah, it wasn't when it wasn't shit. And well, they've been getting better to their credit slightly. I, I hope anyway. But like Castlevania was very drab. Right. But it still had a very uh, good color palette. But then you get to Contra three here and it's it seems like they 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 learned the hardware and they learned what to do with the Super Nintendo and how to exploit all of its capabilities um, with, you know, slow down considered, of course. Right. Like, that's why I think you see that the color palette is just so amazing. It is the height of the palette of what the Super Nintendo could do in 1992. Certainly. And it's one of the best examples of true sprite work for the Super Nintendo for the entire generation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I th- I want to say all all or or close to all of the the big boss fights and even the mini even some of the mini bosses that you have uh, in the stages throughout the game are all just these like excellent multi sprite uh entities that are just huge i mean like they kind of set up set things up uh right off the bat at the end of the first stage of the game for you so you kind of uh, you have your expectations sort of leveled for what the rest of the game is going to be by that first boss fight because you know you you end up at the end and then all of a sudden just this giant crazy looking 
undead turtle demon thing bursts through the wall and it takes up like half the screen and it's you're just like oh oh word all right this is what we're doing and it's just great like it's over the top in all of the ways that the like 80s and early 90s action films that inspired this type of game uh are and to me that's just that's great like if you're gonna do that, then just like go all in on it, you know. Oh, the cheese is the cheese is phenomenal. You gotta love the cheese. It, it is finely aged action cheese, right there. Yes. <laughs> um. So I guess uh, you know this. We're getting long in the tooth. We're gushing over this game because obviously Contra Three is uh, an amazing game. So let's get to the obvious question as we attempt to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Shane, is Contra Three worth playing today? Nope. Fuck it. Throw it out. <laughs> Zero out of ten. No, uh, no, it, it it absolutely is. If you've never played it, then you are doing yourself a disservice. If you even have a passing interest in, uh, you know, platform based kind of run and gun, right to left sort of shooters, uh-huh. then you are you are missing out if you are not playing this. And and for the record, by the way, um, if you can play it on original hardware. Uh, contrary to some of our recommendations in previous episodes, like Resident Evil, for example, if you can play it on the original hardware, I highly suggest doing it. Having just played it on my Super Nintendo yesterday, I fired it up on an emulator on my computer today. And and of course, this is just having to do with the, the quality of emulation, but uh, there is a noticeable difference. Um, the controls are just so much tighter and precise on the original hardware that um, this is coming from someone who is able to complete the whole game without too much difficulty playing it on an emulator. Like I was having problems. So I would highly recommend getting it. And I don't know. And Chris, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, you're a little bit more uh-huh. in the know about this than I am. Um, I, I don't believe it's like crazy expensive to find a cartridge of this. Am I right? Um, I don't know offhand because you know, I'm uh Big sin here is I do not own a Super Nintendo. I know. Tisk tisk. All the all the systems I I own, I do not own that. But Contra Contra Three is is a cheaper Super Nintendo game. You can get it for about thirty dollars. Yeah, it's not terrible for a hard copy, and it's definitely worth the money. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Oh, there's there you can do much worse for thirty bucks. I have done much worse for thirty dollars. <laughs> but um, I will say yeah, um, it's definitely worth it today. Um, the, the, the Konami, Konami's coming out with a collection for Contra. I don't know if this is part of it yet. I don't know if it's officially been announced. Yeah, it, it uh, will be. Yeah. It, it has to be. It, it absolutely has to be because there are going to be eight Contra games and I can't even think of eight Contra games. So this has to be on there because <laughs> God, God bless America. If they put the PlayStation and, and I know like Legacy of War, that's the one that's not like absolute trash, but everything else that was made in the PlayStation era was terrible oh apparently like, legacy of war is also non-canonical fun fact well i think it was also the best one made after contra 3 i think <laughs> well unless you count hardcore and we're not because no one counts the sega games yeah we're not so <laughs> fuck you sega anyway <laughs> and sega fanboy even though i think that's all i own there anyway yeah so it's they're going to be coming out the collection here soon uh for like every major system i'm pretty sure xbox one playstation 4 and fucking nintendo switch steam whatever the fuck you want to play your shit on it's probably going to be on that here soon once they release it. Uh, that being said, uh, Shane says don't get an emulator for it. I would also back that up. However, I do have it on the SNES Classic, 
and it doesn't seem to be much different. Shane, I'll have to bring this over to your place, and you'll have to try the difference. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd like to do which that. Which one you prefer? Uh, because, I mean, it, 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 like, when you're playing on the emulator, were you using an SNES controller? No, no, I was using a, a wired 360 controller, which is probably also part of the problem. But I just noticed that the even though the emulator was reporting that I was getting a solid 60 frames a second, I could tell that the emulation was kind of like lagging. So, well, that's, that's something I noticed and I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but like when I play a lot of my emulated games and this is the reason I play with my Saturn controller, if you've seen that Instagram controller, uh, my Instagram photos and shit like that. And Shane give me crap about it. I do is because when I want to play Genesis games, it feels a lot more natural to use the Saturn controller than say, uh, an Xbox 360 or uh, just a PC USB controller. It's it's a lot different. I sp- experience a lot more difficulties when playing with those controllers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when playing with the SNES Classic, I'm using a you know essentially a SNES controller for the modern era. You know that a first party Super Nintendo controller that's designed to be hooked up to this you know essentially Nintendo Pie. So. <laughs> It's it's probably that's probably a big difference, but I I'd love to have you give it a shot, and maybe we could talk about it in a future episode the comparison between emulator and original hardware for someone who has that much experience, uh, so they could so people could hear that. But I think it works well on the SNES Classic. Um, if you can find them anymore, I know Nintendo stopped making them, so that's going to be a little bit more difficult. Again, getting if you don't have an SNES uh, plus the game, that's still going to run you about seventy eighty dollars, which is unfortunate. Um, if you don't have an emulator, but again, they're releasing a collection. We're not sponsored, of course, by anybody, please sponsor us, but you know, go play it. If you have the capabilities to, and if you have a good controller and a good emulator, uh, because there's plenty of emulators now, yeah, you got to play this game. It holds up very, very well. Yeah. And one, one final thing about that collection, I might wait if I were someone that was considering buying this to play this game. I might wait and see what the pricing structure on that is going to be because let's be real, uh, m- the vast majority of the Contra franchise is not great. So no. if you're only buying it for three and maybe Contra one, I guess, but mostly three, uh, you might do better just buying uh, an actual uh, SNES cartridge of this game instead of dropping the money on the collection, but that kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, because even the arcade version of uh, Contra is worse than the NES port. Yeah, which is sad. All right, so thank you for joining us for this episode of Contra. We we have absolutely uh, blown this game to smithereens uh, and face hugged the fuck out of it <laughs> in terms of the content we have delivered for it with its H.R. Geiger inspired artwork. So, so um, by the way, before we close this out, Shane, do we have any special announcements for our loyal listeners? Oh, well, it's uh, it's good that you bring that up because as a matter of fact, I do. So um, please, please do tell. Yeah. So I, I suppose maybe a lot of people who are listening might might not know. And, and to be fair, I, I, I personally had kind of forgot about this until recently anyway. But um, we are actually by the time this episode is out into your ear holes, uh, we will be in the month where we are celebrating the anniversary of the birth of this podcast. Uh, and if I am not mistaken, it will be the fourth year that we have been around. Four, four years. Yeah, four years. And of course, that's including our somewhat lengthy hiatus, but it is what it is. We're still here and still kicking. So uh, sort of in a celebration of the fact that we have been around for that long and we are still cranking out the content for you fine folks, 
we have opened up a, an official Retro Hangover merchandise store uh, with a, a a small sort of curated selection of items to begin with, and uh, we intend on kind of expanding on that in the future with uh, hopefully some uh, some new uh, designs based on on some things from the show. Uh, ideally I will be looking to, um, probably engage with some, uh, graphic designers to get some artwork done for these things. So if you are one of those, or you happen to know one who would like to do some work for us, um, paid of course, uh, then, uh, you know, reach out to us, which you can do. Uh, and by now I think most of you know how to do that. Uh, you can get it to us at a uh, podcast at retrohangover.com or just reach out uh, via one of our social media platforms. Um, but if you would like to go check out the merch store, uh, you can do so by uh, visiting uh, bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P merch. So that's R-H-P-M-E-R-C-H. And that will bring you to the official Retro Hangover store. And you can grab some stuff there. We've got uh, some t-shirts and we have a pretty badass beer stein, a ceramic beer stein with the Retro Hangover logo on it, which I actually have one now and I can attest it is awesome. Um, And if you uh, head out there now or soon after you listen to this episode, um, there is currently a 15% off promotion running, so you can get 15% off your total order. So uh, yeah, go check it out. Uh, not to mention, this place seems to have uh, discounts all the time. Yeah, on any of its merchandise. Yeah, so they do. Pretty much set up. Yeah, um, and, and just for full transparency, you'll see it when you actually go there. But we have decided to host our store with Zazzle.com. They've been around for quite some time. They're sort of a cafe press alternative, if you will. Um, but honestly, the big deciding factor for us going with them for our our merchandise was the fact that they had the sweet ass ceramic stein that that was actually really the deciding factor i'm not gonna lie um but they do kind of run some sort of percentage discounts on a lot of things basically on a monthly basis um so right now there's more or less a store-wide 15 percent off so um you can uh you can check that out if you would like to uh represent the 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 retro hangover podcast in your everyday life and and support the thing we do then we would love you long time. And just for uh, any other information, if I get at least 30 comments on one of our Instagram photos, or just 30 comments total, because I'll be paying attention. It can either be at the Retro Hangover Instagram account, or it can be at my personal account, which is at Zodiac, which is X-O-D-Y-A-K, spelled, you know, kind of weirdly, just so, you know, it can, I can be special. But if you do, if you go to my uh, account and you do hashtag Dick Dragon, I will personally draw a dick dragon for future <laughs> consideration for our merchandise so we can honor dick dragon shane there you go so so just to be clear that's that's hashtag dick d-r-a-g-o-n right i don't care i got the point <laughs> just okay. as long as it looks like dick dragon my, my my fucking instagram name is at zodiac it's not spelled z-o-d-i-a-c so it's x-o-d-y-a-k so as long as the spirit is there it's more about the spirit of the dick the sp- rather than the letter of the dick. <laughs> the spirit of the dick dragon. Okay, I got you. Yes. All right. Uh, any other final uh, final thoughts? Um, not really. Uh, thank you for joining us for Contra Contra Week. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we would love to see what kind of support we can get from our store. We have some really good things there. 
Uh, and you know, thank you for being loyal listeners to us for so long. Those of you who are there. And if you're new, thank you for joining us. And we hope for your continued patronage and, uh, appreciate your listenership. Absolutely. So with all that said, until next time, play with your dick dragon joysticks. (laughs) 